Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the sustainable development goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. SDG Talkers, welcome back. Today, we're going to hear from Romain Leo, who is the co-founder and COO of Adormi, which is a disruptive e-commerce startup revolutionizing the fashion industry through its inclusivity and sustainable practices. Romain's going to give us some context on the history that go into being inclusive and sustainable through its supply chain, through its manufacturing, logistics, and how it's actually sold to the customer. And then look at how they're approaching inclusivity to make fashion accessible to every person, every budget, every shape, every size of person around the world. Romain, being an entrepreneur himself, is going to give some context as well about what you, as someone passionate around transitioning from fast fashion to sustainable and inclusive fashion can do to be proactive in SDG 12. Being sustainable does take time and effort and remain is a great story of how if you work hard, set a vision, and take action and implement this mindset, it can happen. I know you're going to enjoy listening to this. Take care and keep on SDG talking. Remain Leo, welcome to the SDG Talks podcast. How are you doing today? Very good, Kevin. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. Where in the world are you located today? I'm in Paris, France, where I'm based for two years now. Awesome. And for those of us that are unfamiliar with, with Romain and in the kind of a high-level overview of, of your the company that you were the co-founder and COO of, Adormi, give me a quick little sort of 60-second to 120-second overview of, of the company. Yeah, Sure. So Adormi is a lingerie brand, an online lingerie brand, historically. We were launched eight years ago with the promise of being extremely inclusive. And uh, eight years ago, inclusivity was not a topic in fashion and especially in the lingerie world. And we have grown uh, a lot. And today we have more than 500 employees across the world, more than 200 million of sales. And we have changed, I would say, the larger purpose of the company to become pioneer of inclusive sustainability. The inclusivity is, is an interesting word. And obviously we've heard it more and more, but when you say inclusivity within the fashion industry and within, again, as we're addressing SDG 12, responsible production and consumption, what does inclusivity mean? Like from your perspective, from, and maybe it, it's applicable in multiple perspectives, but what does it mean to you? It's, it's a very good point, very hard to really define what is inclusivity. From, for, from my perspective, I would say it's to offer fashion to everybody, every wallet, every size, every style. And here we're really talking of a, of a democratization, of a true democratization of fashions. Uh, I think fashion was really built for many years on this notion of exclusivity. But when you think about it, exclusivity means to exclude. So who are you excluding? And inclusivity for us is to, to really take the reverse ideas and say, we want to include. How can we build bridge? How can we propose product that will allow any woman to feel really confident in her body? And lingerie is one of those products that allows that. But are we sure that those products are accessible to everybody? And the answer, let's be honest, was no for a long time, at least in the intimate space. 
well said and and i like that idea of it's it's for every person every wallet every size every color everything and i, I appreciate that context so now it seems like that's become it's such a focal point of the brand but can you maybe tell me more about now like how do you do it you know how do you go about is it something that's unique about your supply chain or is it is it you know it, what's what's your means in terms of taking this inclusivity fashion and making it available what's how does that work? It's a very, uh, it's a combination of many factors. Um, I think it starts with a mindset. And really when we started in 2013 at Army, the, the mindset was, is it acceptable? And is it normal to sell lingerie with only some Russian teenager? And that was the biggest lingerie brand in the world. That's what they were doing. And what we were thinking was like, no, it's, it's not normal. You know, it should not be like an exclusive act to buy some intimates. And we really wanted to work on that. So I think it starts with the mindset. And then after, you have the technology. In our case, we start as an e-commerce, which allows you to really think differently uh, about, uh, about your customer, about managing your inventory differently. So the, the reality is like uh, e-commerce, the cost structure is pretty different, different from brick and mortar. And it, it was really allowing us to offer great product at an affordable price. And then you have the supply chain aspect, which indeed finding the right partner, balancing all the inventory. So it's really a combination of different factors. And then you have the people. So we were lucky enough to uh, hire one of the most talented designers in the world pretty early on that had actually worked for Victoria's Secret where she launched uh, seven of the historic bestsellers. Uh, her name is Ellen Merz. She joined us pretty early on. So we really had a strong product focus and expertise. And last but not least, and I think it's a bit related to the mindset, is like the will to do that. I mean, there is a dirty secret in the fashion industry. It's like the, to produce garments for the plus size customer is actually more costly. So when you target curvy customer, either you have a higher price, either you kill your margin. And that's why many brands don't offer uh, sizing for everybody because they don't want to sacrifice their margin. Nobody will tell you that, that bluntly. They will say it's complex and it's true, it's complex. There's a lot of reasons. But at the end, it's possible. Adore me, we have done it while we had basically not much when we started the company. So we just say, you know what? Let's serve those customers. Why do they have to be underserved? Why do they have to buy super expensive uh, bra or very ugly bra? We want to offer them affordable and beautiful bra and they should not be excluded from the market. And I think there is a moment where people stand up and, and say something. And in the case of Adormi, we started like that about inclusivity for the size. And since then, many brands offer a uh, product for everybody. I'm, I'm very happy of that. You know, the market has shifted uh, drastically, but for the first five years, we were the only one to really offer uh, uh, so many products. And right now on the Dormi website, you will have something like uh, 600 products uh, that are really designed, uh, great quality products that are uh, designed for curvy customer, which is more than any other brand you could find. But again, I think it all starts with uh, Mindset. Let's stand up and do something that is right versus what the other are doing for whatever nonsense reasons. And I love that. And thank you for all that context. And and when that that mindset, I think that's so important with any company. Of if you want to be successful, you need to have a, a good strategy. It has to come from the top. It has to be top down. And then ultimately, a bottom of the employees, you know, bottom up needs to 
breathe, eat, sleep, that mindset. And, and of course, the human capital within our organizations are the most important things that help us accomplish our goals. So from your mindset of ingraining that mindset, how do you communicate that to employees? And what's why are employees such an important part of this cultural shift to becoming this more inclusive and sustainable brand? And so can, what role do the employees play within your organization? Great question. Uh, let me clarify. At Ormi, we started as an inclusivity brand, but we didn't start as a sustainable brands. I confess, you know, nobody is perfect. And what we wanted to do, we want to do actually, is to really show the transitions from a non-sustainable brand to become uh, one of the most sustainable brands in the world. And what I want everybody to understand, like, it's totally possible and we are doing it and we'll do it and we're sharing the journey. And it's not an easy journey in the sense that it requires to change a lot of stuff internally, but it's possible, you know, and we have to review our product roadmap, we have to review our cost structure, we have to review the way we do logistics, how we think inventory, but it's possible. And I think that's, that's the mindset. Now, now you are talking about the, the employees. I think it's, it's interesting. Like it starts a bit, maybe top down, but there's a lot of bottom stuff. And in our case, we are, we are lucky enough to have a, very vocal uh, employees uh, uh, base and very young and very passionate. And I would say, thanks God, we were aligned on the wheel to really uh, disrupt passions towards sustainability because it would be very hard to go against uh, your employee base. And I think in the last four years at Adormi, gradually people realize uh, more and more that, okay, the way fashion is done, it's just not working anymore. It's not sustainable. It's just like become an industry of death, let's be honest. And of course, I think meeting because we are so uh, deep into fashion, we might know a bit more the data and uh, the dirty secrets of the industry. And we had to really come with uh, a moment of, okay, okay, guys, let's change it. And I think it's possible because Adormi has proven in the past that we could disrupt fashion towards more inclusivity and now we want to describe towards more sustainability so it's another it's a it's another part of the journey hmm. and but uh, everybody is super supportive so and know. i like that i mean because it's to inclusive and sustainability they're, they're obviously different and i appreciate you breaking that down because they are different things and you do have to start somewhere and if we can have these aspirations but i think from what you're saying is important context for everyone to know is that you have to set these goals, but also you need to take steps to get to those goals and it's okay to not be perfect. And I appreciate you acknowledging that, you know, you're starting somewhere and you're working to get better and being fully sustainable, especially in this fashion industry, which increasingly more and more knowledge of, of some of the dark sides of the supply chain are very much of a challenge to all the SDGs and all the, you know, all of, all of the, humanity and the finite resources that we live in. I'd love to... That one element is like, fashion industry is pretty complex, like an industry, but the reality, even if you have a lot of small companies that are launching very sustainable and I think whatever they do is great, you have the existing player and some will disappear and I think it's great, but most of them will have to transform. And I think it's really a transformation stories that the industry needs to go through. It's not an easy one. And I would say there are more and more companies pushing for that and they are struggling a little bit more, maybe some companies more than others. But it's very important because in reality, a lot of the expertise, the know-how is in big companies. So we have to, to turn them because without embarking those companies, 
you will stay at a very niche uh, sustainable uh, brand market, which is not enough. The reality is like, uh, it's not, it's, we just don't have time to have uh, 10% of people buying sustainability and 90% of people not buying sustainability. So it's like, can we manage as an industry to have uh, 95% of the fashion becoming sustainable in 10 years? And that's the only question that matters. The rest is uh, peanuts. So within that aspect of being a sustainable brand and, and shifting to becoming a, a sustainable brand, of course, it's complex. There's a lot in there. But from a supply chain perspective and a manufacturing perspective, can you give me some insights to what you're doing from a supply chain manufacturing and maybe some best practices or, or some ideas that you would have for other people interested in this SDG 12 arena? Yeah, it's a complex world. Uh, if I were to, to summarize, first, what is interesting, uh, there have been some very interesting studies done by McKinsey, McKinsey the consultancy, half of the impact of turning into more uh, positive companies in terms of uh, carbon emissions are generating savings. Uh, so it's not only a question of money. So I will say, for any company, if you don't know where to start and you always say, oh, it's too costly, you know what? There is a lot of flavor that are possible to activate that will make you some savings. So, you know, for, that's, a that's a message many companies in the fashion world will understand. Be a bit cheap, you know, and go for the saving. And it doesn't mean it's easy because it requires that you change and you adapt and we'll give you a concrete level on that, but it's possible. So, for instance, a lot of the fashion companies, they airship. You know, you take a plane, to deliver goods. And I think the, the tragedy is like, it's rationally better to airplane than to use a boat. Why? Because you manage better your inventory, uh, your lead time and so on. And you hear in the industry, lead time is very important, very time is very important. In the case of Adormi, we say, you know what? Let's shift fully whenever it's possible to sea shipping. And it requires to forecast better. So that's why you have to use technology different algorithm and be a bit uh, better but it's possible you change your calendar things and then you have the goods coming on a boat and a boat is like you're talking of 98% uh, carbon footprint uh, reduction just on the transportation part and it's cheaper to go on a boat as well so you know uh, to the brand I say please uh, see ship don't airship to uh, the government and <laughs> To the government, I say, please uh, ban airship for the fashion industry. It's just ridiculous, you know? And I think maybe the only way to do it is to ban it. Uh, nobody benefits from that. Uh, you put on a boat, you create more jobs in America, uh, you uh, you make some saving for the company, and the company will adapt. Uh, so that's that's a lever that is relatively uh, easy to activate. Then there is a lot of work to be done with the supplier. Uh, the reality of the fashion carbon footprint 80% of the negative impact is happening at the productions during the production process, which is not where the brand are really good at. You know, so more technicality, you have scope one, scope two, scope three. People are focusing and bragging about their scope one uh, carbon emission, like, oh, uh, we have a, a coffee machine that is uh, carbon neutral. Okay, but uh, nobody cares. What matters is, uh, is the 80% that are happening. Uh, often in Asia and nobody talks about. And here we are not talking of a minor impact because just to make a like a, a t-shirt, you're talking of a, a 2000 liter, liters of water. Uh, that's, that's massive impact. You know, people need to realize that. 
And I think it requires to work a lot and then with, with your supplier and you have to have deep uh, relationship and trust relationship. The good news is like they are moving and they want to move actually. So the uh, supplier, uh, they are the, in Asia, unfortunately, they are the first ones that are impacted negatively by the, by the carbon uh, impact. So they, they want to move. What they need, I think, is a bit of leaving uh, the historical uh, non-trust posture and work hand in hand. And you know, to all the models that is uh, I audit you and you check a box of compliance doesn't build doesn't build trust and it doesn't build efficient uh, process in terms of carbon. Otherwise, is it will have worked in the last 25 years and they have not. So I think we need to really be able of working on deeper relationship with the supplier. And then I think that the job of the brand as well to accept sometimes price increase and pour, put more, uh, you know, put more money in the product and either accept that as part of the margin, either better manage your inventory, which is possible in the case of Adormi, we don't destroy any goods. One is the fashion industry, the benchmark is 30% of goods that are destroyed. So, you know, it's not about having the customer pay more, it's just being, being smarter on your management of the staff. So, you know, I would say to the brand, manage better your inventory and all your savings are making, invest it in a better product. And, and last but not least to the customer, just put pressure. I think that the only thing that will help the brand to change is like, it's not acceptable anymore. You know, uh, buy, uh, you know, get to know the information, uh, challenge, uh, put pressure because it's working. I think the brand are moving more and more. But I think for too long, the fashion industry managed to escape their dirty secret uh, too easily. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, the fashion industry is combined is more than 10% of the carbon emissions. So it's more than uh, Germany, France, the UK combined. And it's five times more than the airline industry. You know, the difference between the airline and the fashion industry is like airline is today very difficult to have a plane flying without carbon. In the case of fashion, you can do it. I mean, you cannot reduce to zero, but you have a lot of solutions that are existing today, proven for many years that people are just lazy to implement or it's complex or it's a new trend that it will not last. But you know what? I think customers need to show it's here to last and the brands that are not playing the game, they should just go disappear. And that whole value chain gradually will, will move in the direction. And I think it's possible, no? Yeah. And one thing that you talked about a few times so far is the these dirty little secrets in the fashion industry. And they exist from the supply chain to the manufacturing, to the models, to the waste. I mean, there are some things that maybe brands are often not trying to highlight. And you've done a good job em emphasizing some of the work that you're doing to build trust through transparency. Uh, but I, I wanted to elaborate on the consumer part, which is, is arguably the most important part. They're the ones that are opening up their wallets and buying stuff in person or online. What's changed in the consumers? And why has the consumer become so powerful in this whole process of fashion? I mean, from what it, your experience in the last 5, 10, 20 years, I mean... What's been the evolution of the consumer and, and what can consumers do to really be proactive in supporting and encouraging you know, sustainable brands and ethical brands and inclusive brands to, to really win? I think customers vote with their wallet. So if they put their wallet on the right topics, uh, that's great, you know. But to do that, I think it's a relationship. I mean, the brand needs to explain what they are doing and why it makes sense. And the customer needs to be willing to, to hear 
And I think that there has been, uh, if we talk about sustainability, uh, many customers that has been uh, aware and cautious about their purchase for, for many years, but maybe they didn't have the critical mass for too long. So now I think the, the mass matter because the brand, they look at, okay, or can I make market share and can I do that? And look at Victoria's Secret that has totally changed uh, their brand. I would see in a couple of months if it were, but clearly between Victoria's Secret uh, 2013 and 2021, they have changed and it's because uh, uh, without uh, customer push and the Gen Z push of it's not acceptable, they will not have changed their brand and, and beyond the brand, you have a lot of priorities. So I think customer uh, shows a way to many brands that kind of follow uh, those customers and it's good. So what they can do, push, I mean, try to better understand what it is, try to go beyond the just greenwashing uh, message that you might hear. And it's not easy because many brands are playing the greenwashing message in it's eco-friendly, which doesn't mean anything. And it's, it's a plague for the many brands that are trying to make some effort and are doing the things right. So I think the customer needs to kind of denounce and say, okay, it's bullshit, I don't believe, can I have more information? Because it puts pressure on the organizations and they will they will have to really improve their process. So I think that's uh, the best thing customer can do in a nutshell is like uh, vote with your wallet and be a bit activist of change. Convince uh, people, you know? Yeah. All, all really good insights for, for consumers out there, which is, which is all of us in a certain way. One kind of last question that I want to ask before we, we close out is, is sort of advice to fellow entrepreneurs trying to get involved with different aspects of the fashion industry from supply chain to building a brand to disruptive ways of selling to the upcycling market. I mean, there's so many places for innovation within the fashion industry. You know, what would you say? Like, what are you looking for? You know, you as an entrepreneur yourself, like, is there yeah. anything that you're looking for or something you would want to ask the world about, you know, suggestions or anything? I think there is a, all the entrepreneur advice you could, you could have. There's books on that. So I will not go too much into these things. In the case of entrepreneurs that wants to work in a sustainable fashion, the first question would be, okay, what is really your goal? And I think it's, they have to be honest about that because you have a lot of entrepreneurs that I see that are launching something very cute, you know, but that is bound to be a niche. I mean, you know, what is making the tra- the headlines in sustainable fashion today uh, in the US? It's a super niche brand selling a white t-shirt for $200 based in Brooklyn. And, you know, it's cute. It's a bit sustainable, but honestly, you will not change anything because you have done many brands like that. Again, uh, the, the challenge is about uh, mass market. And if, it's, if you want to change the, the fashion uh, negative impact. If you want to have a cute brand that is cool, do that. But if you want to have a big impact, uh, don't underestimate the mass market because that's where most of the negative impact is. We'll launch soon a, an initiative around affordable sustainability movement. But I think that's where the art of the battle. Second thing is like, about choose your battle. Are you going for mass market where the bulk of the negative impact of fashion is? Or are you playing in niche? Both are legit, but you will have different objectives. Second thing is, yeah, the power of cooperation. I think for a long time, I'm pretty uh, cynical about the fashion industry. I must say, I'm not the best defender of the fashion industry, but 
for a long time, what if you're many brands were just playing the game of greenwashing and uh, we don't care and they will not say that then bluntly, but that's what they were doing. Now you, you start to have within the big companies and the medium company a shift, you know, and, but it's pretty hard. So anything that helps to encourage to find solutions for big companies, solutions at scale will be helpful. Like for instance, in the case of Adormi, we've been collaborating with an amazing uh, company that was launched uh, in Bangladesh that is really helping us to bring uh, uh, sustainability to the next level to the whole uh, recycling loops and, and things like that. So I think a lot of partnership will change the industry and it's very interesting. So rethink the value chain. I think it's important to disrupt the value chain and the big group will be willing to help, but you need to, to find a role to, yep. to work on and I like how you said, I mean, there's a lot of ways to go out there and build some brand and make make some money, you know, and that's that's fine and all. And everyone needs to make ends meet. But if you're really trying to have some disruptive real change, I mean, looking yourself in the mirror and, and asking yourself, what do we want to happen? And I think there's a lot of room for innovation from as things you've talked about, from the materials it's made out of to the shipping of the materials to the way products are sold and to the way that we approach people and the supply chain of people. I think those are all areas for education, innovation, for process improvement, for material science. I mean, those I'm, I'm speaking macro terms here, but I think it's exciting to see how much innovation is possible within an area of fashion. And when fashion being so tied in with culture, this is something that is arguably the most visible thing because we wear it and it's such a such a big movement within within everyone's daily lives. So, you know, really interesting to hear everything you're saying. And I would like to then kind of fill this, you know, finish up here with sort of like a last comment from you in a way that people can get involved. You just gave some good insights to aspiring entrepreneurs that may or may not want to get involved with this, but any sort of final last thoughts that that you wanted to maybe or a knowledge bomb that you want to drop on us and then maybe let us know what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they wanted to engage with you afterwards. Yeah, but I want to finish on a, I would say, sweet and sour positive notes. I think the next three years will be critical for the climate change staff. I think now there is momentum more and more at every level of societies, companies, government, and so on. And either we make it together, either we lose it together. And it's really about first, what planet do we want to give to our children? And is it possible? It is. It would require to, to really change a few things, to really step back and not just accept the, oh, yeah, non-cynical, everything will be like as usual. No, it's, it's not the time for the cynical anymore. It's uh, the time for action. And there is a lot of initiatives that are moving everywhere so uh, engage understand uh, it's kind of fun you know don't be gloomy about the world will collapse maybe the world will collapse okay that's it now let's move on on the solution there is a lot of solution and yeah and that me what we're trying to do is just to show modestly what a company that was not sustainable at all let's be honest become sustainable and if we can do it honestly all the company can do it. So let's move on and put the pressure. And I'm not talking of 10 years, 20 years uh, bullshit line. I'm talking uh, in the next five years. Thank you so much for that the kind of final call to action and insight. So and last, if people wanted to get in touch with you or the company or learn more, what's the best way for them to do that? You can uh, go on adormi.com or you can shoot me an email at uh, 
Roma at adormi.com. I'll give you some details. Great. Well, we'll put that in the show notes. But uh, Romain, it's it's been really inspiring and educational to hear about firsthand of a brand that's really gone through and navigated the evolution of starting off as a brand and evolving to being it as inclusive and, and sustainable as possible and to know it is possible. It takes time and hard work and I really commend you and everyone at your organization for your leadership in this mission towards sustainable and inclusive fashion. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the SDG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow SDG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash in United Nations community. The goal of the SDG Talks is to bring you good content. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks. Thank you.